Today is my excuse to preach on obscure theological terms and ecumenical councils, and there is nothing you can do about it. To celebrate a feast in honor of the Mother of God, we might not realize, is actually an incredibly controversial thing to do. We had an entire ecumenical council, the third ecumenical council, trying to decide whether we could even use the term Mother of God. So the Ecumenical Council is the Council of Ephesus. It was held in the year 431. It was a meeting of all of the bishops who cared to attend, which at this time was mostly just bishops in the East, but they had a representative from Rome there, which is what makes it an Ecumenical Council. It was ratified by Rome. And what they were talking about was a, was a question posed by a guy named Nestorius, He was asking whether we are allowed, well, he was actually condemning those who called this, but the question was whether we were allowed to use the term theotokos for Mary, which is Greek for God-bearer, or whether we could only use the word Christotokos, which is Greek for Christ-bearer. And in order to understand this controversy, you have to understand the early Christological questions. Specifically, we have to understand the difference between the term nature and the term person. A nature is the pattern according to which we are what we are. So we all possess a human nature. We are human. What makes us human is what is within the human nature. So humans have certain abilities, or what Aristotle would call potentialities, things that we are capable of doing. We can, for example, think rationally. Humans also are body and soul. That's something that's that's special about us. The angels don't have material body. So all of these characteristics make us human. Everything that every human shares is part of human nature. That's what a nature is. Now, a person, and keep in mind, these terms had to be invented in the early church because what they were trying to talk about with the Trinity and with Christ It was so new and so complex, they needed new words. And so they took words that already existed in Greek philosophy and gave them entirely new meanings. So nature kind of already existed. There was already something of a discussion about nature. But person was completely new. Person was a term that they took from Greek drama. But the best definition I can give you of what a person is, according to Christianity, is a person is an entity in relationship. Insofar as you have a relationship with me, you have a relationship with my person. You don't have a relationship with my arm and my face and my knee. Those are parts of me. But the thing you have a relationship with is my person. And so you can only have one relationship with me because I am one person. So how does this play out in theology? God is one nature and three persons. Which is to say, there is only one God. There is only one God. God is the uncreated creator of the universe. He is the source of all life. There can only be one uncreated creator. There can only be one entity that possesses that characteristic. The characteristic is part of a nature. There can only be one entity with that characteristic. There is one God, one possessor of a divine nature. But within that God, there are three persons. There are three entities in relationship. 
because the Father is in relationship with the Son, is in relationship with the Holy Spirit. So three different entities in relationship, all part of, contained within the one God, the one divine nature. So we can have three different relationships with God. We can have a relationship with God as the Father, a relationship with God as the Son, and a relationship with God as the Holy Spirit. So we have three different entities in relationship. Now Jesus, and this is where the Council of Nicaea in 325 and then the Council of Constantinople in 381, the first two ecumenical councils, they clarified some of these things. Jesus is fully God and fully man. What we mean by that is he fully possesses a human nature. He has and, and contains within himself every characteristic that is true of humanity. Except sin, but that's a corruption of our nature, that's not original to our nature. So Jesus is fully man. He has the fullness of the human nature. He is also fully God. He has the fullness of the divine nature. He has all the characteristics that are true of God. But those two natures are united in one person. There is only one Jesus. We can only have one relationship with Jesus. We don't have a relationship with the divine Jesus and a different relationship with the human Jesus. There is only one Jesus. And in his one person, he has united perfectly a divine and a human nature. They are united perfectly in the one Jesus. So why does any of this matter and what does it have to do with Mary? Well, when we introduce the idea... Well, I should say, the reason the story is cared about all of this is he said the idea of motherhood implies creation and life-giving. And he's right. So when we say that Mary is the mother of God, or the Theotokos, the God-bearer, we are implying, in a sense, that she has created the uncreated creator, or that she has given life to the source of all life. And of course this is wrong. And so he said, okay, she has to only be Christ-bearer, she can't be God-bearer. But the church had a council to resolve this. And what they decided in all of the fights around whether Mary could be called the mother of God is they said, to introduce that distinction that Nestorius was saying, to say that Mary could be the mother of Jesus in his humanity but not the mother of Jesus in his divinity, is to create a separation in the person of Christ. It is true that Mary only gave Jesus his human nature. She could not give him a divine nature. She only gave him his human nature, but she was the mother of Jesus. And so we can't say, we can't introduce a division into Jesus. We can't say she was only the mother of Jesus the man and not Jesus the God. She was the mother of Jesus. And there is only one Jesus. And we can't create division in Jesus. Why is this important? It's important because the union of divine and human in Jesus, what's called the hypostatic union, that is the source of our salvation. We exist in an infinite gap between God and his creation. There is an infinite gap between the uncreated creator and us. And it's a gap that we cannot jump. We can't overcome that gap. There is no way to bring those two together, except in Jesus. When Jesus united in himself, this is what we celebrate at Christmas, united in himself the divine and the human, that unity was perfect. There was no gap between the two, because they are united in the one person of Jesus. 
And if they are perfectly united in the one person of Jesus, that gap goes away. Or to put it another way, Jesus becomes the bridge between the divine and the human. And there is no gap. That bridge is perfect. So we have access to Jesus' humanity. We are human, and so it makes sense that we can unite ourselves to Jesus' humanity. That's what we do in baptism. But, because Jesus is perfectly human and perfectly divine, when we unite ourselves to his humanity, we automatically also unite ourselves to his divinity. By joining in his humanity, we also automatically join in his divinity. If there is a gap, if there is a distinction in Jesus between the divine and the human, if there is a division in the one person of Jesus, that gap comes back. And that gap, whenever it exists, is infinite. We cannot have a distinction in the person or a division in the person of Jesus because that endangers our salvation. For us to be saved, Jesus has to unite the divine and human perfectly. And so when we say that Mary could only be the mother of Jesus hyphen the human, we're introducing that division. We are endangering our salvation. And so the church said in 431 AD, at this Council of Ephesus, she said in order to protect absolutely this idea of our salvation, in order to guarantee the fact that our theology always respects the fact that there is only one Jesus, we can make really ludicrous statements. Whatever we can say about Jesus, according to one nature... We can use the words of the other nature. This is called the communication of idioms, if you want the theological thing to Wikipedia later. The communication of idioms. So it allows us to say something like, God died. Jesus died. Jesus died on the cross. God is the source of all life. So for God to die is ludicrous. But in order to protect absolutely the fact that there can be no division in Jesus, the church has said, we can say things like, God died. Because if we can say it about Jesus, we can use the terms for either of his natures. Similarly, we can say something ludicrous like, the infant and the major created the universe. Again, a ludicrous thing to say, but because there is no division in Jesus, we use these terms safely, according to the church. She says we can say that because there can be no division in Jesus. We can't say anything that would imply a division in Jesus. And so, we have concluded, we can call Mary the mother of God. Something that we say all the time, that we take for granted. But it is a ludicrous thing to say, that God has a mother. But, it's true. It's true. Jesus has no division. He is fully God and fully man. And so, even though Mary didn't give him his divine nature, his divine nature still lived in her womb for nine months. She was truly the mother of God. We might say that today, January 1st, there are many Marian feast days. Our own patronal feast day, August 15th, comes to mind. But January 1st, we might say, is the most important Marian feast day. The day where we celebrate her title as the mother of God. And we might say it's her most important feast day because what it points to is the most important idea. Every time we say that Mary is the mother of God, just by those words, mother of God, we are preaching the truth that Jesus took upon himself a human nature, 
that Jesus perfectly united in his one person the two natures of the divine and the human. And that by that perfect unity, by that perfect hypostatic union, we have a bridge to God. A bridge that is perfect and permanent, that can never go away, that allows us to participate fully in the divine life.